G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 19 Preview Edition. Oh, we're getting towards the pointy end now. Uh, five games left for everyone. Massive battle for the eight going on. Just two games separating top spot from seventh at the moment. Another uh, four teams jousting for the last spot in the eight. It's an all-in Donnybrook at the top of the ladder. We are here as ever. Proudly brought to you by Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, a very good morning to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? And it is a winter's morning, isn't it? Good morning to you, Rowan. Good morning, everybody. It's early and it's cold. Uh, it certainly is. Your thoughts? Uh, 0.5. That's my thoughts. I had a quick check then. Oh, the temperature. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a fascinating race for the top end of the ladder, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And that's good. Like, if you're independent, which we, uh, like, everyone knows who we barrack for or who we're members of, but I, I've always stressed the uh, the need to be independent and, and uh, not look at everything through rose-coloured glasses. And uh, it makes for an intriguing season. And uh, we've got some great games, some significant games to uh, to go through a little bit later on. This is one of the best uh, battles for the eight I think we've seen. And uh, the good thing too is that most of the sides involved have very challenging runs home, particularly those sides uh, vying for that last spot in the eight and uh well most of them um aren't actually performing at the top of their game either which just throws another dimension into the mix plenty of news going on as well at the same time so we're going to start by bringing you up to speed on a couple of ongoing items on the news agenda on footyology news feed all right, let's kick off news uh, with a bit of a chat about North Melbourne, of course, uh, long-time North Melbourne world administrator and, and now consultant Jeff Walsh uh, due to report to the North Melbourne board uh, today. He has uh, was appointed a few weeks back to uh, review North Melbourne's football operations. Of course, since then, we've seen the departure of coach David Noble, and of course, since then, we've seen North break the drought, break a 14-game losing streak with a huge win over Richmond last Saturday. But uh, the biggest single issue for the Roos, of course, is that now vacant coaching position. So the latest there, uh, Ross Lyon has indicated he'll at least entertain a discussion with North about potentially coaching the side. Uh, now, you know, we haven't heard too much 
from North about what they're looking for or anything really, which is fair enough. And uh, fair to say some of the candidates are being a bit cagey too. So Ross Lyon said, this is on Triple M, uh, it's gratifying you get mentioned in dispatches. We've all got an ego and it's nice recognition of years of hard work, I suppose. Let me tell you one thing I do know. It's not about money. It's an interesting seat, not the kangaroo seat, the AFL coaching seat. I'm a bit uncomfortable in my role as a media commentator. I'm not in a position to give you anything definitive. That seems to be pretty much a repeat of what he was saying last year when he was being discussed about uh, Carlton, although he seemed to be more upfront about his interest yeah. in the Carlton position. Now, what I wanted to throw to you, Shuri, is you last week mentioned Mark Williams, and uh, I actually uh, threw that up, or your suggestion of that in a column I wrote about the North coaching position. Now, there's various ways they can go here. There's the experience option. There's the long-time assistant option. Uh, there's the left field option, which indeed the likes of Luke Beveridge and Chris Fagan were when they were plucked from more administrative rather than coaching roles to coach senior sides. Uh, the other one, which is now sort of presenting itself, is the untried senior coach flanked by former senior coaches. Now, that is the context, I reckon, in which uh, the likes of a Mark Williams or a Don Pike might be more likely to be thrown up. So I want to ask you, Mr. Robert Shaw, how do you think Choco Williams would cope in that sort of senior assistant role to an untried senior coach? Uh, it's a very good because I haven't thought about that because I've done gone the opposite way. Um, I thought he should have been interviewed. I th thought he should have been the number one candidate with this young team originally. They've gone the untried route with David Noble, the administrator route with David Noble, and uh, they put, uh, well, yeah, they put Paul Ruse with him or Paul Ruse came with Noble or Noble came with Paul Ruse, however you wish to say it. But it's quite interesting on a side note, even before the report has been tabled to the board, there have been two departures. Uh, Paul Ruse won't be with us next year and David Noble. So I'll leave you to stew on that. Uh, they were linked and... Uh, very quickly in, in Walsh's tenure, uh, both of them are no longer at North Melbourne. Having said that, your question is about how would Mark Williams, well, he's sort of like a senior mentor, a senior assistant, a senior development man at Melbourne, and that has worked very well. He would challenge uh, Goodwin. So you're saying if it's the Williams-Goodwin uh, balance that's working well, then why won't the Williams uh, Uze work well? Yep. Uh, um, it would have to be a person who has relinquished any uh, desire to yeah. be the sole man. Yeah. I think he's got the passion, the desire. He's certainly got the skills and he's got the understanding and the teaching of young people. It's a great skill set that he brings to the, to the North Melbourne table. Um, I'm always leaning towards the experience, so I don't know Clarkson's situation. Uh, I think Ross has got, let's call it that old cliche, Rowan, that I hate, unfinished business. 
Mm. You know, but Ross has always coached teams into finals. He's coached teams into preliminaries and grand finals. Is Ross a finisher or is he a developer? Well, Mark, the, William, uh, the, Mark yeah. Williams is a developer. Yeah, the I think yeah. the prof, the popular stereotype about Ross Lyon is definitely a finisher, but that may just be a consequence of the sides that he inherited. And exactly. And yeah. half the reason Fremantle would have got him was because that's what he'd done with St Kilda. So I mean, the more you do it, the more you perpetuate the stereotype, don't you? Having said that, um, I think history would show that you know St Kilda was very much a here for now. Uh, exercise while he was there. And then Fremantle, I always thought it was a bit uh, worrying the speed with which Fremantle went from the top of the ladder in 2015 to almost the bottom the very next season. And then when he sort of said, okay, we're rebuilding, I never felt like he really embraced that rebuilding job with vigour. You know, he sort of hedged his bets a bit on some of those younger guys. I know Ross very well, obviously, from a my vice captain and um, loved him as a player and a person. Uh, I don't know enough about him in his uh, coaching philosophy, Rowan. So, um, yeah, I found that interesting too. And, of course, because of that, he's prevent and might be totally wrong, Rowan, because of that uh, alarming slide, he's been branded a coach that can't develop. So, for me, I'm not sure of that. I'm not sure of that he's... He's had time out. He's obviously reflected and um, he gets an opportunity to coach this team and surround himself with young coaches also. Not that Ross is an old coach, but a very experienced coach. So, look, I'm sticking with Williams with a good young development people around him, Um, good strong football department. You need a good strong football department. What's coming through is, yeah, good point. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> What's coming through is everyone's saying got to have a good, strong football department if you're going to deal with Clarkson. Hodge said it. You certainly would need one with Ross. You certainly needed one uh, like Fagan with uh, Clarko. So there's a common theme about these three blokes. They're strong. They're opinionated. They drive standards. But sometimes you just got to have the strength to pull their coat and say, hey, time to back off, right? Take it easy, right? We'll handle that. You worry about your coaching. I don't think North have got the personalities within their club to maybe handle. And and ego is not a dirty word. Mm, they're very right? good. Skyhook, second album. Uh, this, it, it, rem- it's not a dirty word. It's actually a strength. It's a belief, but it has to be massaged and handled by a strong football department. North, at the moment, I don't think, and I'll say this respectfully, probably can't handle Lyon, Williams and and uh, Clarko. Without so, getting the strong uh, personalities around them. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me a bit of what Essendon did with a certain coach at the end of the 1990s, Robert, at the end of 98 when certain people came into keep him on track and on the rails. Well, that was that was the that was the game plan. And, I'm uh, getting a bit close to home there. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, there's a story for another day. Yeah, so my yeah. my co-host was in fact one of those people, <laughs> uh, but it worked. It worked very well. That's it fair did, to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Um, right. 
because we talked about this last week, but uh, gee, it won't go away, this issue. And it is the thing about head-high tackles and players ducking. The AFL uh, on Tuesday, in fact, released a statement about this. Um, and the statement reads, where the t- about how they will adjudicate head-high contact. They said, where the tackle is reasonably applied, there is no prior opportunity and the ball carrier is responsible for the high contact via a shrug, drop or arm lift, play on should be called. Where the tackle is reasonably applied and there is prior opportunity and the ball carrier is responsible for the high contact via shrug, drop or arm lift, holding the ball should be called. If a player has their head over the ball and trying to gain possession and contact is high, a free kick for high contact will be called. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would have thought that that is exactly what we were told pre-season and and previously anyway. I I don't see that there's been any fundamental change here. Is this just coming up because various media outlets are running short on content and Jack Gittivan's a bit topical, so we keep talking about it? Because I I don't see that anything really has altered here. The key words emphasised a shrug drop an arm lift. Now, even though you and I have been at times classified as a veteran dinosaur stage in, in our day, which is uh, quite disrespectful, in, in my playing days, I can't remember this. In my coaching days, I can't remember this. And in 11 years as an assistant coach, I can't remember sitting in a box say, or oh, arm lift, drop, or... Shrug. Now, I'm sure the likes of Lee Matthews have lowered their body to take on oncoming um, tackles from, from Ron Andrews. Like, yeah. I know I'm going back a bit, but yeah. um, but it, it was never an issue. It seems to be an issue, and, and I take I, I really take offence to uh, linking Joel Selwood to this. He, he, he is uh, – it is part of it, but how many – contested footies has he put his head over in his career surely at some stage he's going to uh he's going to get a head high tackle so um, well, Jack, just let me answer the point yeah. you made there i think what's happened since the lee matthews days i do think the thing that has evolved in terms of drawing a free kick is that thing about lifting the arms to make the tackle slide up um is that cheating, Rowan, or, or is that – yeah. See, the young so, fellows will say it's Wait, still, hang on, wait. Yeah, yeah I, I want to take – I don't think anything's cheating. Right, you know, good. I'm, I'm, I'm different on this, and I'm, I'm different about diving or propelling yourself forward in a marking contest. There, there is no cheating. If you are playing within the framework of the rules – that it's all legitimate to me. I, I don't get as riled about players acting or or the Ginnivans of this world as other people. It's all caught up with that thing about, you know, macho, tough footy and whatever. If it's in the rules, it's in the rules. He's trying to exploit the rules to get a free kick. Fine, go for it. And this is, I guess what I'm saying here is, you know, we're, okay, we're talking about this stuff and I'm not saying we shouldn't be talking about it. But I think people make it out to be a far bigger issue than it is, right? Who else apart? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on Joel Selwood. But when we have this discussion, we're talking about Joel Selwood. We're talking about Jack Ginnivan. A few people might talk about Cody Waitman. 
Who we else link those? We shouldn't who, link Wakeman. But who, but yeah, who else? Sorry. My point. We've got eight hundred. Sorry, we've got eight hundred yeah. players in the AFL, Robert. We're talking no, about three. It's hardly plague proportions, is it? No, I, I don't get the linking. Look, there are a couple of young young bucks that polarise, uh, particularly the opposition members. Uh, they're out there. They're young. They're opinionated, and they're and they're in a good way. They're they're half smart, half cocky, aren't they? Um, my my issue with them is now it's become I don't mind it being a part of your game because it for forever and ever we've heard the phrase I played for the free kicks like the great Kevin Bartlett made an art form of it um and they changed the rule are they Correct. changing the rule because so many players have the skill and the ability to inverted commas play for a free kick. My problem with Waitman and Ginevan is that it's now become very much part of their DNA in every contest they go for. If they go for 10 contests and they do that one out of 10, then it's up to the umpire. They'll get it or they won't give it. But but to do it in every contest is now alienating them against the the uh, the population, which is mm. the, the football follower. To, um, so that that would be my advice. Have it in your kit bag, but, you know, you, you just like to have a video of Genevan or Waitman every time they go for the football in a contested sense, what is their first movement? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I'm just... We're almost talking about two different things here because I'm I'm no. just querying why the AFL has felt the need to put out this statement. It's only because various media outlets continue to talk about it. Um, there is no change in what they put out yesterday to what they were saying at the start of the year. I, I just think, and then putting out a statement. Now we're talking about it again, and it just. The cycle just perpetuates itself. Well, there's so. a cycle perpetuating what a, a couple of months ago with um, um, they put out a statement regarding was it the stand rule or the no it was the uh, the restricted area. So they are reacting to mm. public opinion and a media content, aren't they, Ron? And yeah. they've done it a couple of times this year. Yeah, I think yeah. they've got to. I think they've got to be careful about that. And again, Correct. I, I don't think this is as big a problem as some people. Um, who love drumming up controversy on certain TV shows late on a Monday night on Channel 9 would have you believe. Correct. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, Was that a pointed enough (laughs) reference? All right, final uh, thing on our news agenda this week, and uh, this is news because it only happened on Tuesday, but Ty Zantuck, former uh, Richmond and Essendon player, um, he is suing Richmond Football Club and two doctors, current club doctor Greg Hickey and former club doctor Chris Bradshaw, over allegations they breached their duty of care in the treatment of his back injury when he played in 68 games to the Tigers between 2000 and 2004. It's a long time ago. Now, the um, fresh news in this is the judge in this case yesterday ruled that uh, he could extend the statute of limitations on bringing a civil claim. Uh, This argument was rejected by Richmond's lawyers. He said it was very significantly out of time. We're talking about 18 years on since that happened. 
Um, Peter Jess, a well-known player agent who was Ty's Antux agent, said the decision was a landmark finding and the AFL's worst nightmare. He said it could lead to more cases by former players. Up until now, the defence was that you as a player knew it was a dangerous sport, so you knew what you were getting into. The two exceptions were that if you were an employee and if there was negligence, it's now been found that Ty was an employee of the club, so he can be the first player to take action this way. Zantuck claims that the doctors gave him more than 20 epidural injections to ease back pain to keep him training and playing, and that the club forced him to take part in a pre-season training camp that exacerbated his condition. Um, so the judge has given leave to extend the statute of limitations, so this case will continue, um, and Peter Jess indicating that it opens the door for a lot of other similar claims. Now, I, th I think the interesting talking point here, Robert, and speaking to you as a former player who's got your share of old war wounds, um, the concussion thing, you know, separate issue, but we are talking a lot more now about former AFL players um, taking legal action against uh, what have now deemed to be their former employers. Are we opening, potentially opening the floodgates here, do you think? Are you going to now sue the Bombers? No, I'm not, but I'm still very, very <clears throat> concerned um, about, um, I think I'm fine, but um, I was part of the pilot, pro pro uh, pilot program for concussion Oh, were you? Yeah, I yeah. I didn't, know, I didn't know that. The original one, I put my hand up together with uh, that age group of mine from the 50-year-olds to the 70-year-olds that uh, volunteered to be yep. part of the program. Yeah. And um, it was travelling along very nicely. I went in there, had meetings. Um, I've, I've never once even considered. But that was the one, the report that disappeared, Rowan. Remember? It's ah. just, uh, it, it just stopped. I was... Yeah. I was part of that, and our age group volunteered, and um, I don't know anything further anymore. So, and are you are you suspicious that it disappeared because what it came up with what was worrying for it the just AFL? went off the table? I, I was halfway through a pilot study, a voluntary pilot study to assist the players of these days um, with brain damage and concussion. And uh, it went off the table. It disappeared. And I've, uh, if you go over my Twitter feeds, I've been um, not re not recently, but uh, regularly making comment on this. Um, I think it was okay. I I'm I'm quite happy to say that there were concerns about um, uh, initial concerns about uh, medium to mild levels of anxiety. But the people that know me, my daughters, partners, friends, all that sort of thing will say, yeah, but you've always been like that. But my point is, why have I been like that? Yeah. You know, why, why do I tend to get tense or anxious or um, agitated over little things? And I, I would like that to be investigated. And, I'm, you know, so that, to me that's mild because um, – but there are other people that have been well documented that have had serious issues coming from this. So um, I would have just liked to see the program. I'm not the type of – oh, hang on. I shouldn't say that because you've got every right to to go back and look at how your 
employer treated you or used you or, you know, um, but it, it's it's not in my kit bag to do that. I, from just my personal view, and I've been very open about it, um, I would have liked that program to to go through, not only for my sake, but also for the sake of um, in, in research and investigation in concussion, which probably is the number one on the agenda of um, players playing the game, past, present and future. That's very interesting uh, thoughts there. I wonder, uh, well, there's no doubt we're, we're not, we certainly haven't heard the end of it and we're going to hear more of it, I think. And um, uh, very interesting. Those. Well, I had, uh, just for the record, when you mm. say, you know, um, I've been probably a little bit more open than I should, but um, I, I'm happy to talk about, I had five concussions in mm. 10 years. Okay. Right. And, that's, a, that's enough. That's five the, too and, many. And the worst Inverted commas, the worst thing, uh, my, uh, the the person that was conducting the research and the test said, I, I believe you have mild anxiety to, to medium anxiety and agitation. Is that a result of concussions or is that just in your genetic makeup, your DNA, did your mum and dad or your grandfather pass that down to you? Um I've never had that question answered. I would have loved to. Like, like it, it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form, other than in periods periods where I might find myself under pressure. Right. So oh. is that you know? But is I would think that would be normal for people in everyday life. A lot of people I don't have pressure lifestyle. I have a very relaxed lifestyle. But I can imagine people in 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 leaders in industry would would have that. Uh, symptom in their life under pressure people get anxious and uh agitated you do i do um people listening here will do it but i would have liked to know uh one way or the other was that linked to a series of concussions through the 70s and the 80s absolutely uh that's all absolutely i would say jokingly uh quite a lot of people get agitated listening to us but uh well there's no (laughs) that's that's their prerogative all right Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, good. Interesting discussion. Thanks, mate. It's sort of a phone call. You're not hanging up the phone call. We're recording a podcast here. Oh, that's right. I keep. I was about to say, oh, good to talk to you. Yeah. You, do, right you, you do do that. I have been. I know. It's funny. I was going to say this off air, but I'll, I'll say it on air. Yeah. We're recording a podcast here. It's not a phone conversation. <laughs> All right. We've got nine games to preview. Oh, oh no. We've got another nine to go. Jeez. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 19 kicks off with a massive game. Friday evening, Marvel Stadium, 7.50pm. Two sides. uh, One side desperate to get top four. That is Fremantle. The other side desperate to stay in the top eight. That is Richmond. Richmond taking on Fremantle. It's going to be huge. Uh, Palmerbet, our official podcast partners here on Footyology, uh, you can always get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. What have they got odds-wise on this game? Well, it's tight. It is very tight. But the visitors wouldn't have happened too often in Fremantle's history, but they are favourite for this game. Fremantle paying $1.87 head-to-head at Palmavet. Richmond, $1.93. Uh, last time these two met was round 21 last year in Perth. Fremantle won by four points. 
Richmond had won the previous four. Uh, Form-wise, Tigers, uh, well, looking dodgy. They've lost three of their last four now, but those three losses have been by a total of nine points. They're not too good at Marvel Stadium. They've lost their last four games there. Frio, in contrast, have won their three of their last four at Marvel and uh, beat St Kilda there only two games ago. We'll get to personnel in a minute. How are you seeing this one first up? Well, I'm very concerned for the Tigers uh, giving up leads. Obviously, uh, even going back to the Gold Coast game, they were they were systematic, quick, impressive. They pushed out to a seven-goal lead and um, they were overrun. So uh, their last quarter's finishing games have been very concerning. Uh, two of their key players in Martin and Lynch are out of the side and they have a heavy reliance on their real quick and pacey players or their classy players in Rioli and Bolton. Rioli has been delivering um, reasonably consistency off a halfback flank, but Bolton seems to be the real playmaker for them, and both those players would have to have terrific games on the quick marble stadium deck. Yeah, uh, height is going to be an interesting one here. Now, I notice uh, Ivan Soldo likely to return after a week on the sidelines. Um, what do you think of that one, him up yeah, but, against Darcy? Yeah, but they also get Alex Pierce back. So they're not going to uh, – you're, you're, oh, you're talking about Richmond. Yeah. It's, it's going to be important because um, – Without Lynch, uh, a heavy reliance is going on to Jack Rewalt and mm. the, and also the second ruck position. We see a number of clubs using hybrid ruckmen at the moment. Um, Darcy's in very good form and he feeds a, a, an outstanding midfield group. Uh, I, I think Richmond have to try and find... Oh, uh, sorry, to answer your question, I just got it here then. The use of Bolter as yeah. a second ruck or a, or, or a full back or a full forward. They're, look, a gut feeling tells me, Rowan, um, he's not the player he was early on in the year. Is that due to the fact that he's been used in these numerous roles and actually played him in inverted out of form and not as um, influential as, as he has been? I, I, I think the key to this game will be where they use Bolter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think his confidence has been knocked around, certainly. But he's not Robinson Crusoe, is he? I mean, have a look at, uh, and, you know, there obviously there'd be much debate about whether he even holds his spot in the side. But a guy like Jake Arts, I mean, he, he was clearly so scarred by his misses in the Gold Coast game that when he took that mark with 30 seconds left, you know, 30 metres out from goal last week, he played on. A ridiculous decision, which probably cost them the game. But... That's what these sort of near misses. Uh, Jason Cassania, another one. Now, speculation, he'll come back. You know, is he scarred by that running into the open goal against Gold Coast and having it smothered? You know, these they're, they're not in a great space mentally, a lot of these Richmond players, are they? No, and uh, it's a very good because they were, they were sublimely confident with their finishing traditionally, haven't they? And mm. I know they were part of premiership teams and, and winning finals team. But there's been a, uh, their confidence and their surety has evaporated from this team. And now they're becoming, towards the end of games, if they're close, um, somewhat of a nervous team. And they face a very settled Fremantle side. 
plus Richmond's record at Marvel Stadium is effective. They've lost their last four there. They don't play as well there at the MCG. How do you see this going? Give us a verdict. Well, well I see Alex Pierce coming back into the side to give them uh, continued stability. I think their midfield is sound. Even they will both clubs are on the rebound for uh, North beat Richmond, and uh, of course, uh, and the impressive Sydney beat Fremantle. So. On the way to balance and evenness, I'm going to go for Fremantle by uh, 11 points, and I sort of half understand why they are the the marginal favourite. All right. Well, this is good. We, we could differ, uh, differ a lot this week. I am staying with Richmond. I think after losing three by a total of nine points, it's their t- uh, turn to end up on the right side of a wedge. I'm going for Richmond to prevail in this one, hold their spot in the eight. Richmond by six points for me. Should be a cracking contest. All right, uh, that's Friday night. Let's move to Saturday. Saturday afternoon, 1.45pm, Blundstone Arena in Hobart sees the battle of the Tasmanian teams. Well, I think certain Tasmanians won't like that reference, but the two... Victorian interlopers who nominally call uh, Hobart and Launceston their second home. That is North Melbourne and Hawthorne. 1.45 p.m. Palmer Vet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, have Hawthorne, as you'd expect, favourites for this game, despite the fact it is a North Melbourne home game. The Roos head-to-head paying $3.14. Hawthorne paying a dollar thirty-seven. Well, the Roos finally broke that fourteen-game losing streak last week with a famous win over Richmond. Hawthorne uh, also won last week. They over West Coast at the MCG. The Hawks have won their last two games now. Their first consecutive wins since the opening two rounds of this season. Now, these two up against each other, it's been pretty tight for a while now. The last six meetings have produced three wins apiece and they have alternated uh, either side winning in turn. Uh, Here's an interesting one. North Melbourne have played Hawthorne eight times now in Launceston since the Hawks started playing home games there, which was the turn of the millennium. But Hawthorne has never played North Melbourne in Hobart until this clash now. And the Roos have been there since 2012. So that's a bit unfair, is it? Why the Roos had to play in Launceston, but the Hawks have never had to play in Hobart, Robert? It's an interesting one and will be a factor. It is a difficult, unusual, uh, in uh, uh, condition-affected um, ground. And even though we are talking about the cricket season, if the tide was in Rowan, you always won the toss and put the opposition in because we're only about 100 metres from the beach. Okay. So they, there was a theory at Bell Reeve that if the tide was in, the 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 centre wicket area would be just a little bit damper. So you always whacked them in. And if the tide was low, this is Hobart folklore. This okay. is Tasmanian folklore for you. So, so it's got, bit, bit in football parlance, if you it's win got no, toss. no, no idea, no idea what I'm uh, talking about okay. in football parlance. Um, that was a good waste of 30 seconds. They have to, we might have to do it with this game, Rowan, though. All Don't right. forget. It's, <laughs> it's not the blockbuster. A couple of things here. You said they've, they've won two. Well, they're going for three in a row. That'll give them confidence. Like, it's it's a with the greatest respect to West Coast Eagles, who they beat, and North Melbourne, it should give um, 
uh, Hawthorne another couple of wins and really project them into the last five or six games of the season with a lot of confidence. They won't have to worry about Larky, I don't think. Um, he's he's injured, so that will affect North Melbourne's forward and put a lot of pressure on the enigmatically impressive uh, Zerha, but he'll have a good match-up with Hardwick, who's the, given the fact that they like to attack with uh, Scrimshaw and Jeth, I think Hardwick is a very, very good lockdown player and should go to Zerha. All right. Well, just quickly on Larky. So he's got yeah. a heel injury and uh, it faces a fitness okay. test, um, right. but more unlikely that he'll play. Uh, okay. They should get Aaron Hall back. He's had a hamstring injury, so that's a handy one. Um, and a couple of other potential selections, Jackson Archer and Kane Turner, both of whom played VFL last week. But Hawthorne are looking pretty good too. Wingard, he's been ruled out for the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. Um, but Jack Gunston, who, of course, has missed the last two games after the sad passing of his father, Ray, uh, they're hoping the Hawks that he'll be available and he'd be a significant inclusion for them. And they've also got Liam Shields, the, the veteran premiership player, um, uh, went back to the uh, VFL, but he's been around the mark. So they've got an opportunity to bring in two experienced players, Rowan, um, at a ground where they they actually haven't played. Uh, so I think it is significant. I'm not prepared to... Um, I think if Larky plays, there's a terrific match up there with uh, Sicily. I think McAvoy coming back into the Hawthorne side uh, uh, together with Reeves really does put the acid on Goldstein, who quite rightly returned to his position as uh, first ruckman. That's been a mystery to me all year. And, of course, walking into North Melbourne, into Arden Street this week, uh, would feel like a new club. They would be confident, they would be bubbly, and they would be happy. So they're going to be very, very dangerous uh, with this uh, with this impressive young midfield they're developing. So uh, I can see Hawthorne getting away with the win, but I'm not underestimating North Melbourne in any way, shape, or form. And Hawthorne by uh, the same margin, 11 points. 11 points. You do yeah. like your 11-point margins. I have noticed that. <laughs> uh, I'm going for the Hawks as well. Yeah, I think North will keep them honest, but um, I thought the Hawks are pretty impressive last week against West Coast. And, okay, West Coast yeah. aren't going that well, but I thought, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. And I think the Hawks uh, against Adelaide too the week before have been pretty impressive both weeks. Yep. Uh, I got Hawthorne winning this one by 22 points, the Richie Benno scoreline. All right, that is one of two games at 145. The other one is in Sydney. 1.45 p.m. at the SCG. See Sydney taking on Adelaide. Palmerbet, you always get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season, thanks to them. Uh, they have the Swans' very warm favourites in head-to-head betting, paying $1.13. Adelaide, you can get $6 head-to-head on the Crows. Uh, Sydney, uh, they're coming good form-wise. Had a bit uh, the wobbles there for a while, but they've now won five of their last seven games. Adelaide, in contrast, have won just two of their last 11 since starting the season quite well. 
those two teams don't play each other much, Robert. They've only played five times over the last five seasons, once a year for the last five years. And the scoreline from those clashes is Sydney three and Adelaide two. The Crows' record at the SCG, however, is reasonably impressive. Overall, it is 13 uh, to the Swans' eight. They have had some good wins up there over the years, including a final, no less, back in the second of those back-to-back flags in 1998, which is just 24 years ago. Relevance to this game, absolutely zero. But I just thought I'd give you a bit of history to go with our preview. Both sides, uh, not too injured, really. I'll talk about some possible ins and outs, but uh, how do you feel about this one? Well, they're back to the SCG. They had a terrific win, didn't they, to go to Fremantle and beat a, a very impressive Fremantle side and head back to the SCG. I don't think there'll be any relaxing from uh, Horse Longmire because uh, they're pushing towards... Uh, uh, trying to be one of those teams that will finish in the top four in this really, really tight end of the season. Um, Adelaide, yeah, you said two out of the 11. It sounds like bottom seven to, you know, 17th and 18th stuff. A couple of wins. Uh, they've been a bit better than that. They they push Collingwood uh, really strongly to the wire. They've got a good forward set up now. I'm really looking forward to uh, which McCartan goes with Walker, depending on... You know, uh, Tex Walker's been in terrific form. So whether Paddy takes him when he's up the ground further and can run with him, that's going to be interesting given that McCartan wants to lay off and support his brother who will play deep or whether Walker plays out of the goal squares to traditional um, uh, full forward. But whenever you talk about Sydney, you cannot uh, escape the uh, escape our love, Rowan, I guess, for these uh, wonderful young players um, with with strange names, Errol and Chad. Um, no, Chad's not a strange name anymore. It's like uh, Chad, is, it? Chad, is, Chad is like the Jack of the 1950s. Everyone's called Chad now. Not many are called Errol anymore, are no, they? No, no, that's true. That's but true. But, no, they're, they're just so impressive. Would you give everything to be like him, Robert? Oh, with that left foot? Oh, no, I think my left foot would challenge him, Rowan. It's, uh, uh, but uh, Wagner's, uh, Wagner's worth the price of admission. To watch the emergence. Warner. Warner. Oh, sorry. Warner. I think Wagner's a teammate of uh, Jamara or, or Hagen. Oh, no. So to watch these emerging players is uh, something I always enjoy watching against Sydney. you got the Franklin Frank uh, factor. I got that right. Thank goodness that was close. Uh, versus the Walker factor at each end. So there's uh, a couple of sideshows there that I'm, uh, I am I really enjoy watching. Walker's got the uh, got Fogarty. He's got Thilthorpe back into the side. So they've got a three-man pronged attack that can uh, really, really stretch Sydney. But Sydney's experience and and this glut of uh, exciting players, and then that core group of Heaney, uh, Parker, uh, is is uh, is is irresistible. You just can't go past them in this game, round. Just quick, just just oh, quickly. Yeah. No, no, no. Stop apologising. Just just quickly on Franklin. Uh, very well held last week by Griffin Logue. Do you think that makes him more likely to have a day out in this one? What he's been held by him. Yeah, well, just that he's, he's, you know, like he's uh, got a lot of 
professional pride buddy. I mean, he's been well contained. Does that make him more likely to have a big afternoon the next week? No. Is he capable of doing that now at 35 in the old course days? He is. <laughs> no, of course he is. We kicked two five the other week. Oh, look, I like the way he just moulds into part of the team structure. He doesn't have to win kick eight goals for them to win anymore. All right, give us a tip. Oh, we've done, are we? Um, uh, Laird and Mills, sorry. That'll be a good matchup in the middle. That's another one I'm looking forward to. Uh, Sydney at home, uh, 31 points, please. All right. Uh, Personnel-wise, look, uh, Crows, Rory Sloan obviously out for the year. Josh Rochelle is the other one. He should be back next week, they're saying. Um, But that's it really for the Crows. And the Swans, Peter Adams out with that thumb injury, Colin O'Reardon, but that's it for them. So uh, got plenty to choose from both these sides. Yeah, look, excellent last week, the Swans. Uh, They need to keep winning to keep that spot you know, as high as possible in the top eight. A lot more to play for. I think they'll do it on the bit. I'm going for Sydney by 32 points. What was your margin again? Uh, Did you give one? Yeah, you keep copying me. I I, I said 31, I think. Okay, all right. Go with 31. No no problem at all. All right. (laughs) Uh, They're the two Saturday afternoon games. Let's talk about Saturday Twilight. 4.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Adelaide Oval. That's the time and the venue for the game between Port Adelaide and Geelong. Palmer Bet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Cats warm favourites head-to-head, uh, as they should be, having won eight in a row now. Geelong paying $1.54 head-to-head. Port Adelaide, the home side, but paying $2.00. 48, like I said, the Cats, eight in a row now. Their last loss was against St Kilda in round nine. Uh, Port Adelaide, they've been up and down four and four over the last eight games now. Uh, History between these two sides, well, it's pretty even. Uh, Last six clashes, three wins to Port, three to Geelong. Port have won the more important games, though, because two of those three wins include two qualifying finals in Adelaide. Uh, one of them in 2020 and the other one last year. They have played once this season already. That was in round 10 at GMHBA Stadium, a.k.a. the Cattery, a.k.a. Cadinia Park. Uh, and that saw a very comfortable win to Geelong by 35 points. Port hung in there, really pushed Melbourne all the way in Alice Springs last week, but... Couldn't get up. They do nominally remain in the finals hunt. And the Cats, well, they have to be flag favourites at this stage, Robert. How you see this one? Oh, without doubt, the form team of the competition. And uh, we've t- talked a lot about Geelong and where and how they've done it. And uh, they've done it for a few weeks now without Tom Stewart. And it does raise an interesting – there's a couple of interesting selection uh, decisions coming up. Uh, the impressive Bryn Tickle did his shoulder. I think he's ready to go, Rowan. Yep. Uh, I think I read that somewhere. Now, does that, without Tom Stewart, do they take the risk? Because they've got to t- keep taking risks. Uh, do they bring him in, which will send Charlie Dixon back forward, or are they happy with the ruck work of Charlie Dixon, uh, the more mobile and strong ruck force, that's done pretty well for them? But given Stewart's out and the form of uh, young De Koning 
in the in the last line of defence for Geelong, uh, I think there might be a chance that Dixon will go forward and they might take the risk with the Ruckman um, against uh, Stanley. The other one is an old mate of ours. Uh, are they going to pluck Orazio Fantasia from sort of nowhere? He's recovered from his injuries, but he's got a history of uh, soft tissue injuries. But at home and with his pace and his run and his capacity to influence the scoreboard, they also – so they've got a couple of interesting selection decisions, Rowan. Paul well, Adler. they have, and they have. And those uh, – certainly those finals wins they've had over the Cats, uh, they've made Geelong look a bit slow, haven't they? But uh, having said that, I'm, I mean, I think a, a major reason Geelong is a much stronger proposition this year than either of the last couple of years is they have really addressed that weak speed factor. And they've addressed the uh, versatility factor too. And we've talked about that spreading of the midfield load and the introduction of my boy, Maxi Holmes, who incidentally has re-signed with the Cats, another two-year deal. He's now signed to the end of 2024. Good on you, Max. Um, (laughs) Just sticking that in there. In fact, he was one of about four players to sign uh, two-year deals announced yesterday. But uh, they have extended the uh, depth of that midfield group. The other uh, issue for Geelong too, I think this guy's pretty important to them. He's been missing for a while now, but Brandon Parfitt uh, is available after uh, recovering from a broken hand. So uh, it'd be interesting to see whether they're prepared to take a punt on him because I think Port's hope would be to run the Cats off their legs. And I think Geelong will be very conscious of that. Uh, and, won't have Sam Menegola either. He's out to uh, concussion protocols. Go on. Going on what you just said, what, what a what a perfect spot. They'd be so keen to get Parfit back into the side. And, uh, it well, they prefer both in the side, Ron, but it's pretty convenient and shows their depth that Parfit can come in for Menegola. The use of Selwood and... Um, Dangerfield is always very, very interesting for the Cats because they no longer rely on them as the one-two hit. And uh, they'll come up against the impressive uh, midfield of with Wines. Rosie's gone into the midfield. And they'll also have a look at uh, getting a couple of extra players back into the mix. The tough Lockie Jones might be used. And, of course, Xavier Zerzema is also a consideration for Port Adelaide. So... Both teams get some uh, get the odd player back in, and but the real interesting factor will be Thursday night selection, and we'll have a look at the makeup of the Port Adelaide team based on what you said. I think the pace factor was only because Geelong were a one-pace team and were an ageing team, so I think that's more a reflection of Geelong then and not now. They've got great versatility. Blixarves can play four positions. Atkins has gone into the middle. Dangerfield goes forward. Their back line has maintained its solidarity, solidity, sorry, without Tom Stewart. And uh, there is no reason why Geelong cannot continue uh, this role. They're fit and they're fresh. They're not a tiring uh, eight-game-in-a-row winning team, are they? No, I agree. They're getting they're getting better by the week. Okay, uh, yeah. so you're going for Geelong margin, please. Yeah, 17 points. I think we'll see a real effort from Port Adelaide. Mate, they've been roll of the dice stuff for, for months now, haven't they? Yeah. 
Yep. No, I, I, I think they're playing okay and uh, certainly pushed the Demons last week. I'm going for the Cats too, though. I think they're uh, ruthlessly efficient and will get the job done. Uh, not by a lot. I'm going for Geelong by eight points. All right, uh, let's turn our attention to the north of the country. It's a Q clash, and it is at the Gabba, 7, 10 p.m. Saturday evening, Brisbane, taking on Gold Coast. Uh, Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this season. Uh, always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Brisbane very warm favourites, the Lions offering a dollar thirty-one head-to-head. Gold Coast paying $3.47. Q clash. What is the here? I've said that with vaguely sarcastic overtones. It doesn't get my juices going necessarily. It's what is better the, than calling it the far Q. Uh, the far yeah. clash. Yes, uh, fair enough, fair enough. It's a bit adolescent of you, Robert, but never mind. Uh, the, what is the record overall in the Q clash? It is 16-6 to Brisbane. Uh, now, Gold Coast, we've talked a lot about their improvement and uh, credit to them. However, Robert, the bottom line is they have now lost three of their last four games, two albeit narrowly. They had the win against Richmond and then really disappointing last week against Essendon, you have to say. Brisbane have been very up and down. They have gone loss-win now for the last eight games. Uh, Like I said, 16-6 to Brisbane in this clash overall. And Gold Coast at the Gabba, not much chop. They've won three games here and lost 14. Uh, Their last win at the ground was against Brisbane in 2018. The Gold Coast, like Port, nominally still alive in the race for eighth spot, but Brisbane need to keep winning to stay in touch or part of that top four. How do you see this one panning out? Well, it could get quite ugly. This, I, uh, you know, Essen were very good, but I was surprised how poor and how slow the Suns are. And uh, it's not going to get any better for them, Ryan, because the opposition will probably bring in, and you'll confirm this a little bit later for me, but I'm thinking Zorko, Rich, Berry, Adams and McInerney are in Brisbane's best 18. Now, the timing of this couldn't be more perfect. A, in the short term, they get those players back into the side, but with a little over a month to go of the season, it allows them to settle their side down and have a good run uh, coming into the finals, which is also important. They'll need a little bit of luck, but luck might have changed for Brisbane. I reckon it's linked to the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. They haven't had a really settled side. They get an opportunity now against a side that uh, shouldn't match them on their home ground, and the biggest decision they will have and I, I I spoke about this bloke three or four weeks ago when they were really, really poor, and you highlighted their lack of physicality and aggression. Rhys Matheson's made a difference. And mm. I don't know why, and even to the point where Fagan said, I don't know, he basically said, Rowan, I don't know why I leave him out. I can't give you a reason. So then, whether it be depth that forces him out, um, but I think they have to, heading into the finals, find a spot for him in the 22 and keep him in that side because he brings an element that they don't have. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it was a very interesting comment by Chris Fagan. I'm not sure I'd be admitting that I didn't know why I was picking or not picking one he of my He actually said that. In yeah, that I know. Theme. I, saw, I yeah. saw it. I saw yeah. it. All right, let's talk personnel. Uh, Gold Coast, uh, Mal Roses Jr., uh, a week ahead uh, of his recovery and uh, a chance to play. Uh, Davies, Alex Davies, um, he's a chance to come back into that side too. So a couple for them. Uh, they've missed Joel Jeffrey, I reckon, the last few weeks. He was giving him a real spark. He's gone, unfortunately, for the rest of the season. And a couple of others gone for the season too. Will Powell, that terrible ankle injury. Uh, Lockie Weller, another one. So they're, uh, gee, they are missing a few from their best lineup. But what you're saying about Brisbane, spot on. Zorko will return. Rich will return. Both of them were hamstrings. Uh, Berry, uh, hamstring also should be back. Uh, Adams, the other one you mentioned, that was a corky. He'll, he should be right. Uh, Pryor, the other one, he um, and Jackson Pryor's played some decent footy for them. He should return as well. So it's going to be a much stronger looking Brisbane side and and look, I mean, Gold Coast nominally is still a finals chance, but I think they know in their hearts they're not going to make it. They've got four teams ahead of them in the queue on the ladder, and you know, in terms of either points or percentage or both, I think they know they're gone. I hope the bottom doesn't fall out of it because it, you don't want to tarnish what's been a pretty good season for them. Uh, but hard to see Brisbane not winning this one comfortably. I'm going to tip first. Uh, I'm going for Brisbane to win this one by a pretty comfortable 36 points. Robert, what say you? Just very quickly, we spoke last week about the uh, optimism for an Essendon victory based on the workload of Gold Coast and the close games they and the comebacks. They've, they've had the lot. Then they travelled to Melbourne. They got outrun. They've got to go back. Okay, they go home, but they've got to travel up to Brisbane. You said, I hope the bottom um, doesn't fall out. I reckon they're tired, but understandably, and I reckon it's a watch this space, how Gold Coast finish off the season. I'd be very surprised if they can match um, match the Lions at the Gabba, and I'm thinking uh, Brisbane by something like 27 points. A comfortable four to five goal win, Ron. All right, okay. Uh, right, the second game on Saturday evening, and it is a grand final rematch, no less. This is a rematch of last year's grand final, also a rematch of a game in round one this season. It just struck me there's been not much talk about this game. I wonder if we talk enough about actual games and too much about uh, a list of designated talking points that certain would-be controversial TV. Raising the arm, raising the shoulder, dropping the knee. That's dominating. We've just got a grand final replay here, folks, if you're interested, just got a passing interest. Well, we are the podcast for people that do have a passing interest in that, and we're talking about the Western Bulldogs taking on Melbourne. It is at Marvel Stadium, 7.25 p.m. Saturday evening. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Uh, always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the reigning premier a warm favourite, $1.63 Melbourne paying. Uh, Western Bulldogs are paying $2.30. Now, uh, how are they fearing these two sides? Well, Melbourne, 
Uh, certainly had the wobbles there for a while, but they've now won three of their last four games. Uh, sorry, they've won three of their last four games against the Western Bulldogs, including last year's grand final, obviously. They also won that round one clash by 26 points. That was at the MCG. Uh, the Bulldogs have been very up and down all season. They've been good at Marvel Stadium, where they've won six of their last seven. That said, Melbourne are very good at Marvel Stadium these days. Now, you want a, a big turnaround in terms of how a side fares at a venue. You don't get a bigger turnaround than this. Between 2008 and 2015, Melbourne, Robert, lost 22 straight games at Marvel Stadium. <laughs> Could not win there to save themselves. Well, they have now won 10 of their last 12 games at the same venue. Is that simply because they've been a much better side? Well, probably is, but it's still uh, a point worthy of note, I think. Grand final rematch, what's going to happen? Well, if it goes to plan, uh, the Western Bulldogs will uh, uh, jump out of the blocks. Uh, they'll be too quick for Melbourne early. They'll use the ball well, and they'll go out to something like a four to five goal lead at uh, a ground they play very, very well. And then the strength of Melbourne will continue to take over. Petrarca will get on top. Oliver will come back from his injury. And just on that, his actual thumbs healed. The the issue with him was the wound in opening up the... So he should be ready to go. They've got a couple of decisions to make, Melbourne. Um, Lever's shoulder. But in the wings, they've got Harrison Petty. They have Premiership centre-half back. They've got Tomlinson. So they've got a bit of coverage for him, Rowan, and I don't think they'll take the risk with Lever. Uh, a lot of these sides now, okay, you want to win, you're desperate to win, but you're not going to risk people uh, if you're locked into a finals and, and take a significant risk that may impact you going into the finals. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, does. So with a Lever shoulder... If he played him and he did further damage, that'd have a huge impact. So I'm tipping they'll leave him out and use one of Tomlinson or Petty, particularly Petty, uh, to cover that loss. I want to talk about uh, the Bulldogs because uh, I, I don't know. Look, they won last week against St Kilda and, yes, it was an important game, an important win, and they end up winning by, oh, what was it, 28 points in the end, but I've got to say, I wasn't overly impressed with them, even in victory. I thought it was a really poor standard game, this, and a game that seemed to almost sort of lack intensity. And um, the Dogs won, did what they needed to do, but you know, they only kicked one goal in the last quarter. St Kilda, as poor as they were, had a serious crack at them in that finish. So I don't know how good a win it was. And then the two weeks before that, they were really poor, belted by. Sydney in the week before that belted by Brisbane. So I don't think their form line's that great. Look, Melbourne, they've hardly been flying either. They're now three and four over the last seven games. Then alternately, uh, the other way of looking at it is they are three wins from four uh, the last month. And uh, the loss to Geelong, obviously, but they have beaten Brisbane, a top eight side, and last week Port Adelaide was still in contention for top eight. So I think Melbourne's form is better. Um, and as I just pointed out before, I think they're pretty good at Marvel Stadium too. I'm, I'm reasonably confident Melbourne is going to win this one. What do you reckon? You are? No, I, I give the doggies a, a bit of a chance. They, they've made some adjustments, didn't they, Ron? Uh, young Karmas 
uh, back into the defence. Yeah, it worked well. Yep. Um, that worked well. So it gave them a little bit of stability. And uh, Ed Richards was a significant in for them, which took a lot of pressure off Bailey Dale. And 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 despite, um, gee, Bailey, uh, Bailey Fritch has become a bit of a talking point, hasn't he? Well, People, he's, a bit, he's a bit hungry, yeah. Robert. He's a, he, uh, I did. I brought this up the other week, and someone yeah. else. I saw, it might have been David King talking about this too. Just a quick one. You mentioned Ed Richards. He's been good for the doggies, but are they? I reckon they've they've lost a bit of their creativity without Caleb Daniel and Taylor Duray. Oh, there's no doubt about that, and that's why Ed Richards been important. And they've, but they've always been in trouble. A little bit of, a uh, little bit of height, and that's why Karmas has been a, a terrific uh, selection for them. So uh, the midfield battle with Oliver coming back is also going to be significant because you got one of the players of the year, and I don't say that lightly in Tom Liberatore dominating your clearances. Look, I got a gut feeling for the Western Bulldogs on this one. Okay. Um, and, and that's all it is. I highly respect Melbourne. The enigmatic Bulldogs for me to turn on a very impressive performance and win by uh, 13 points. It's a gutsy call. I like your – you're a far gutsier tipper than me. Uh, unfortunately, that often means you're also more inaccurate tipper. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, it usually means I'm wrong. Follow <laughs> uh, Mr. Conservative. Yeah, I am Mr. Conservative tipster. Uh, I am going for the Demons. Well, I just think their form is more uh, backable, okay. uh, put it that way. I'm going for Melbourne to win by 16 points. Let's hope it's a good contest. All right, that is Saturday. Uh, let's move to Sunday. 1.10pm Sunday afternoon, Marvel Stadium sees Carlton taking on GWS. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Blues warm favourites head-to-head betting. Carlton offering $1.25. GWS paying $4. Well, we've talked a lot about the Blues and their improvement, and it's been honourable, Robert. But... They haven't been that flash, really, to be perfectly honest, over the last couple of months. Their record over the last seven games is three wins, four losses. That's better than GWS, say, because we've talked about their recent form. They've only won one of their last five games now. Um, Now, Carlton in round nine had a good win over uh, GWS by 30 points. That was up at Giants Stadium. That was only their second win over the Giants in 11 attempts. Uh, the venue for this one is Marvel Stadium. Carlton's record this this year there is good. Five wins, one loss. GWS's record at Marvel is also pretty good. They've won their last three games there. Uh, the Blues got given a bit of a footy lesson last week by the Cats, but they are still playing better footy than the Giants, who were pretty awful against Brisbane, Robert. Uh, another selection conundrum here for the Blues because they've got two players at the start of the year were pivotal to their improvement, and that is their first ruckman in Pitanay and also an area that they've been decimated in and done a remarkable job to recover. They actually get McGovern back where they rush him in urgently uh, into the fullback or the third tall position I think it's critical, but they may create a problem from themselves because one of the most – you talk about the young lad at Geelong, De Koning, right? Um, 
the impressive form of the Carlton boy has been yep. magnificent in the ruck. That's Athleticism, Tom. marking, Sam and Tom. Yep. Um, this is Tom. I, I, I just say to Coning, then I don't get either wrong or right, Rowan. Okay, that's good. Right. Yeah. Because. Um, no, good strategy. Well, yeah. Don't, good, don't good. say Terry, their dad. <laughs> Terry, their dad, yeah. Um, so, who I played against, uh, by the way. Um, so that, this is going to be an issue for them. Two bigger blokes into the side, uh, and what to do? Oh, look, I don't know. I'm I'm torn on this one. I like the athleticism. I like his brilliant marking. He's uh, a little bit of uh, sorry to go back again, folks, but they're a little bit of 1963 Carl Dittrich debut at the okay. Junction Oval yeah, yeah. about this bloke. So yeah. um, Against uh, I, I, Melbourne. I, I know I was only six or seven years of age, so I don't think you were around then, Rowan. No, but I, I, know, I don't know that he made his debut at the Junction Oval against <laughs> Melbourne. I remember the headlines yeah. in the papers that drifted down to Tasmania a week later. Anyway, so let's get serious. Um, geez, I've stuck with – I don't know whether I've stuck with him out of bias – Probably backing McVeigh. Um, like Talking I, about I, the Giants. Yeah, uh, changing to the Giants. Like on, mate, that snuck up on us. One out of five. Is that mm. correct? Yeah. That's that snuck up a little bit. Um, of incredibly disappointing. I've backed them, not backed them financially, but I've tipped them in a number of games because I thought they were better. Uh, they're in a little bit of strife here. It's seventh versus fifteenth, and the Blues are urgently seeking another win. Yeah, well, they, they have been poor. And that was a – we both tipped them to beat Brisbane and uh, they were terrible. They never fired yeah. a shot. Now, uh, they got some selection issues as well. Josh Kelly. Yeah, that's uh, a big one. And he won't be uh, – he won't be playing. Connor Iden uh, broke his foot. He might not be back this season. Uh, Whitfield, he missed last week. He's got to prove his fitness. Uh, what is Whitfield's issue? I'll come back to that. And Kennedy uh, due to return from concussion, but uh, still some long-termers there, of course. Phil Davis, bad hammy, Matt DeBoer, concussion. Uh, Sorry, Ryan. Whitfield had a hip. Uh, thank you very much for filling that in. Okay, so he's got to prove his fitness. They just they look like they've checked out to me. They did last week anyway. Well, that's what McVeigh said. He said, yep. I can't believe these blokes... Like you talk about Fagan's quote mm. about uh, I don't know why I don't play Matheson. Uh, McVeigh's come out with uh, I don't know why these blokes haven't got their head in the game. Now uh, the the other uh, potential selection change to Carlton too, and it's a real plus. They've missed a bit of zip, I reckon, and they could regain a bit of that with the return of Jack Martin, who's had a calf injury, and uh, Matt Owies, he's had a calf injury too. So uh, Owies probably still a week. Martin, an outside chance, I think. So they can freshen up this lineup a bit, and the the cavalry's starting to come back. It's a pretty important game for the Blues if you're going to retain hopes of a top four finish. Uh, I reckon they're going to win this one really comfortably. I'm going for Carlton to win this one by 40 points, Robert. What say you? you? You made a very good point. When Carlton were flying and was so impressive, it was that small group, Owies, um, Durden. Yep. Uh, Fisher. Yep, Martin. Martin. Yep. Working in unison. Correct. Uh, that's disappeared. So I'm with you. 
I would like a freshen up. I would like a bit of excitement and to put uh, put Martin into the side. I'd put McGovern in and maybe I'd uh, I'd be a little bit circumspect with uh, Pitt and A taking over from De Koning. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. If, if they've checked out and the Blues balance their side well, pick a good side and play well, you're moving into that 47, 40.7 goal loss to the GW, particularly if they're mentally frazzled, as McVeigh said. But I'll bring it back a bit. I've got Carlton by 27 points, as I'm still expecting a much improved performance from the Giants. All right. There's two, you've had two 27 point margins and two <laughs> 11 point margins. That's uh, Simon Madden and uh, Alan Stoneham. I was going to say Greg Anderson. Actually, I was going to say Robert Amos. Was he number 11? He was, and a oh, very good go. player. And he go. played, like me, only played about 50-odd uh, um, games. Wigman, Robert Amos. Yeah, yeah, very good player. Yeah, I remember him. He's sort of part of that uh, uh, group, including Robert Newton. Remember him, the bearded <laughs> Robert Newton. Very good uh, district cricketer for Ringwood. As oh, a so- yeah. There you go. All right. Well, we're, and they well, all did in those days. Yeah, yeah. I think we should do remember when in the off season with uh, Robert and Rowan. I'm happy uh, to do remember when. All right. Okay. Uh, that is the first of the Sunday games. Let's talk about the mid afternoon one. Two famous old rivals meet on the MCG, 3:20 p.m. Sunday afternoon. It is the Magpies Collingwood Football Club up against Essendon. The Pies having now won eight in a row. Essendon having won four of their last five. So we're actually talking about two pretty informed teams here. What do Palmerbet say? Well, I say that you can always get tackle-busting benefits thanks to Palmerbet, and I also say that you should always remember to gamble responsibly. The Magpies are favourite in head-to-head betting, as you'd expect. Collingwood paying $1.75. Essendon paying $2.00. 10. Uh, they have met once, of course, in the traditional Anzac Day game. That was close, but uh, Essendon uh, being usurped by Collingwood in that game by 11 points. Uh, Essendon had won the three previous encounters against the Magpies. Uh, Essendon's win against Sydney a couple of weeks ago in the MCG was only their second win at the G in 10 appearances there. Collingwood, in contrast, have a definite liking for the G because they have won seven of their last eight games there. Uh, big in for the Pies. Taylor Adams set to be available after missing last week due to concussion. Uh, Isaac Kanor also should be right after missing with health and safety protocols. The big if will be Jordan Degoe, uh, who has missed the last two games now with a quad Injury, Essendon could get a good one back too in young Archie Perkins, who's missed the last three games with a calf injury. Uh, Ben Hobbs hurt his shoulder in that win last week uh, over Gold Coast, but I think he'll be right. And uh, Massimo D'Ambrosio played VFL last week after a corky against Brisbane in round 17. Uh, a lot of people giving the Bombers a sneaky chance here, Robert, despite their different places on the ladder. How are you seeing? I think that's irrelevant now because um, I'm going on the same theory that I had uh, with the Gold Coast. You look at the run the other sides have had. Collingwood have been extraordinary this year. They've been so impressive. 
But the last time they played, you've got to remember that Ginevan kicked five. Pendlebury went into the centre square at three-quarter time and was a dominant force. And uh, and, and and Jordan Dugowie got votes from most of the pundits. Um, I see Kelly going to Ginevan this time. Like, that was bad coaching from Rutten. They put – you don't put Dyson Heppel on to Ginevan. You, you don't do that. Um, uh, Penderbury, they've got to have Corwell ready to go. And Dugowie, I don't think he'll be there. Quain is important. Adams is important. So – all I know in this competition, if you're up for a long, long time, unless you're a Melbourne or an Essendon or a Brisbane Lions from the early 2000s or Carlton and 95 going on, those, you've got to be a special, special side to put big numbers back-to-back, back, don't you, Rowan? You do. And it's an extra – just on Collingwood's knack of winning the close ones, I don't know we've ever seen a run like this. They've been involved in eight games this season decided by 11 points or less. Wow. And they've won seven of them. I mean, that's what I can't get over. How often do you win that many close games? Well, you don't. It's extraordinary character building. It builds belief. Last week was the bat on the back of a 16-game player. So there are slight warning signs. Dacos with 40 possessions and went forward from his usual halfback or wing, went forward and kicked goals for them and got them over the line. Uh, I hope Heppel goes to side bottom. I hope uh, Ginevan gets taken care of by um, by Kelly. And then you've got to worry about Pendlebury. I, I'm, I'm a huge rap for Collingwood, the way they play, the way they team together. But I just think... And um, this is totally unbiased. I just like the trend of Essendon starting to peak, albeit too late, have a settled side. I agree with you. Perkins should come in. He should come in for Snelling. I hope Hobbs plays, and that would be the only change. They're settled, they're confident, and they're sharp and quick. They can worry Collingwood. Yeah, a quick question too. Uh, Caldwell's been really effective the last couple of weeks in tagging roles. Who would he pick up? Um, I think he'll just play midfield, but he'll it'll depend where Pendlebury goes. Pendlebury, last, you reckon? If last he, last if time Pendlebury played half back and at yeah. three quarter time went into the centre bounce mm. and he dominated. And they didn't have anyone. It's so interesting how how and I put it on Twitter, so I'm, I went public. The pennies finally dropped negating players that can get the ball the going other way. We finally might have found that midfield player that can shut down the likes of Neil. Who did he go to? Um, Last week play? it was Miller. Uh, Took Miller. So yeah. Neil and Miller. What, well, I was going to suggest, would you think about putting Caldwell on a Nick Dacos? Well, it depends. Nick Dacos is so good that he, mm. he'll probably start half-back wing. Yeah. So I don't think... Cordwell, I think, has to be in traffic. Okay. So, no. All right. All I right. think that might be a job for McGrath. Yep. All right. Uh, give, us a, give us a tip. Well, I'm going to take off my rose-coloured glasses. And given Collingwood's ability to win the close game, sometimes, Ron, that's got to come to an end. You can't keep doing it. You can't keep going down to the well. Essendon, turn the tables – and I'm going to go with that margin that Collingwood beat Essendon by. And it's my favourite margin, Essendon, by a goal and a half, 11 points. That's not a goal and a half. Hang on. Goal and a half is uh, nine, nine, nine points. Point. Uh, aren't you, aren't yeah. you a teacher? Nine points. Nine <laughs> points. 
A go- I should have said I should have said a goal and a bit. A goal and a bit, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm going for Collingwood. Um, right. I think, well, they've got more to play for. Oh, look, I, don't get me wrong. I think Essendon are a very big chance, which is why I'm going for Collingwood by almost the narrowest of margins. I think they're going to make it uh, eight wins from nine games decided by 11 points or less. I'm going for Collingwood by two wow. points. All right, that leaves one game in round 19, and that game is over in Perth. Final game of round 19 is at Optus Stadium in Perth, 4.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, which is 2.40 p.m. Perth time. Sees West Coast taking on St Kilda. Palmavet give you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. The Saints, well, they're playing shockingly at the moment. They've won only five, one game of their last six since wow. the round 12 bye. Wow. But gives you an idea how West Coast are travelling, that St Kilda is pretty warm favourite, head-dead betting. The Saints paying $1.37. West Coast on Palmerbet offering $3.12. Like I said, the Saints have lost five of six since their round 12 bye. That really threw out their, their momentum. Uh, West Coast, however, still just two wins for the season. Um, St Kilda's record against the Eagles is pretty atrocious, having said all that. They've won only two of their last 14 games against West Coast, and that run stretches all the way back to 2012. And the Saints' record at Optus Stadium isn't too flash either. They have won just one game there, and they have lost four games there. And that one win was earlier this season. It was probably their best win for the season, the Saints. It was against Fremantle back in round two, but a significantly lesser proposition now than they were then. Uh, West Coast, as usual, a truckload of injuries. Nick Natnui may not play again this season now with a knee injury. Uh, Elliot Yo still not back. Uh, Tim Kelly, he is sore, recovering from a cork thigh. Uh, so, you know, you know the rest, um, some of them. Oscar Allen is just perpetually gee. injured. Uh, yeah. Jack Petrocelli, gee, he's quick, but he's injured. He's quick, uh, isn't he, that bloke? He's really quick. Uh, Dom Sheed, uh, he's out for the rest of the season with a shin injury. Uh, they got more players out injured than available. Um, and St Kilda, they've got a few too. Uh, Hunter Clark, he's had that nasal fracture. Uh, of course, Nick Caulfield out all year with the ACL. Jack Hayes all year, well, since he got injured with a knee injury. Dougal Howard, another couple of weeks away with a knee injury. Daniel McKenzie, calf injury. And the big one for them this week, Robert, and this could be decisive. Paddy Ryder, calf strain. He will miss at least four weeks. The age of 34, to be honest, you'd have to ask, has he played his last game of AFL footy? That he, either way, he is a big loss to them. Agreed. Been a great player and both the, the the two key ruckmen that you'd love to see go head-to-head won't be participating in this game. So uh, Marshall will go in for St Kilda. Um, and it, it's an interesting game because that was that 1-6, did you say, about St Kilda, their last six games? They've, won they've, they've lost one five. Game. Yeah, they've lost five of their last six. It's yeah. an extraordinary record from a team that was 8-3. and three. Um it's hard to pick apart why, but uh, last week was uh, a very disappointing game. They 
they had a good last quarter, which people seem to focus on, but you've got to focus on how they played early. They looked slow and they certainly looked disinterested for a side that's, uh, you know, they've, they've slipped to 10th on the ladder and you would expect this to be absolutely desperation stakes. I'm only going for them based on the fact that West Coast have too many out and it looks like Tim Kelly won't play and Nat Nui won't play. And you've given us a list as long as my arm of some very good footballers. So for St Kilda to maintain their position, uh, vying for the, well, eighth spot now, they're not going to go any higher, are they? They're just one side now that's going to scrape into the eight given their abysmal form. Mm. No, I agree. Um, it's sort of like which side is least worst in terms of deciding who you tip. I don't often tip against Western Australian sides at home, but how can you tip the Eagles at the moment? Um, look, they, they've been better than they were the last month or so, but um, yeah, we're never really going to beat Hawthorne last week. And you think the closer it gets to the end of a season, the more some of their guys are going to be psychologically checking out or they're going to um, put a few on the uh, long-term injured list, start booking them in for well, that's another surgery point. Good point. and turning their attention towards uh, 2023. God, even saying that makes it sound very futuristic. 2023, we're getting old. Uh, anyway, uh, I think this is a win for St Kilda, keeping those finals hopes alive. I don't think they're going to make the eight. I think they've got a really tough run and I don't think they're playing anywhere near good enough, but I think this is one they can win to at least nominally keep those hopes alive. Uh, being in Perth though, I think they'll have to battle to win. Uh, I think they can clock up their second win at this venue and do the double over the Perth sides in Perth this year after that round two defeat of Fremantle. I'm going to go for the Saints by 10 points. What say you? What a hard game to analyse. This is the hardest round to analyse because we haven't got a lot to go on, Rowan. Um, mm. I think St Kilda have just got a better spread of talent. There, there should be, should be, the desperation factor. But where was that last week and the week before, etc. cetera? So, um, um, yeah, as you said, I'll borrow your phrase, St Kilda should win. But Away, West Coast Eagles might have a bit of a crack. I'm going for um, 15 points in an unimpressive display. By 15 points. All right. That's an unimpressive tip as well. Um, All right. That is round 19 previewed to within an inch of its life. Uh, thanks once again to our proud podcast partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. We are very grateful for their support, uh, Lee Dalton and the boys there. Thanks, guys. We really do appreciate it. Always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can support us financially at the ACAST supporter page on whichever platform you choose to listen to your Footyology podcast. Uh, And you can become a patron, an official Footyology patron, and you can do so by clicking on one of the many links to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of uh, independent media and writing and publishing Patreon. There are links to that all over 
the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. Some good stuff on the site at the moment as well. Not just footy, of course. We talk about uh, social issues. We talk about politics. We talk arts. We talk entertainment. Uh, Really good piece uh, today, in fact, about asylum seekers and the Australian government. Uh, Pretty serious piece, but a really good piece written by... Ian Wilson, so well done, Ian. Thanks for that. If you are listening, well worth a read. Uh, that uh, is it for this week, Robert. Um, Thanks, Ryan. Can I hang up now? Can you hang up now? <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, yes. Uh, I like the fact that our podcast sounds like a phone call. Uh, fortunately, minus beeps coming across from call waiting. But, yeah, you can Hang up. Are you going to check your messages now or return a couple of calls? What's what's on the agenda for you after this? I'll warm up probably, put yeah. the heater on. Okay, uh, I've got my feet resting on the heater. Uh, quite day-to-day, day off school Wednesdays, which is uh, very good midweek. So, lovely, well, lovely to hear. Well, brighten up your midweek, everyone, boy. Yep. Uh, well, if you got this far, you have listened to this. That's stupid <laughs> of me. But thanks for listening. We'll be back on Sunday to wrap up this very same round we've previewed. We'll see you then.